Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey peeps, welcome back. Last week, I wrapped up the tale of one of the most infamous men in American history with the concluding chapter of H.H. Holmes. This week, I went in a completely opposite direction and decided to highlight someone who very little is known, but who made an impact and found work in a profession that, at the time, was not known to welcome women. Today, I'm talking about Hannah Adams, the first woman in America to work professionally as a writer. Though monetary success eluded her throughout her life, her efforts were respected by contemporaries and helped pave the way for other women authors. So, who was Hannah Adams? What did she write? And why is so little known about her? Grab your cup of coffee, peeps. Let's do this. Hannah Adams, born on October 2, 1755 in Medfield, Massachusetts, was one of five children born to Father Thomas and Mother Elizabeth. Hannah's father was a shopkeeper and seller of books with a lifetime passion for reading and education. Originally hoping to enroll in Harvard, Thomas apparently suffered from ill health and his family insisted he stay close to home instead of traveling to attend university. Unable to pursue his education, Thomas stayed home and opened a shop instead. Selling English goods and books, Thomas amassed a sizable library his daughter thoroughly enjoyed. This lack of educational pursuit bothered Thomas for the rest of his life and played into Hannah's development. Hannah was a precocious youth and had a passion for learning like her father. And like her father, Hannah suffered from ill health and was unable to attend school. Not that she would have received a top-notch education had she been able to attend. Schools during Hannah's childhood were held for only a few months out of the year and had little in terms of structure. Most of what was taught came from religious texts, and educating girls was not seen as normal. Women didn't need education, after all. They were going to grow up and be married and have kids. So, stuck at home and unable to satisfy her thirst for knowledge, Hannah read. She devoured poetry and novels, losing herself in the worlds created by their authors. Hannah did not get into heavier material until her formative years, when chance brought new opportunities to learn into her life. The Adams family struggled financially and took in boarders to help pay the bills. These temporary tenants were usually young men preparing to enter into seminary studies, and Hannah was able to take advantage of their occupancy, receiving lessons on Latin and Greek as a result. After her mother's death at the age of 11, Hannah was cared for by her oldest sister, Elizabeth, known as Betty, to friends and family. During the American Revolution, Hannah helped support herself and her family by performing textile work knitting, spinning, and the complex practice of weaving bobbin lace. Weaving was the most profitable and was also the most complex work. In weaving bobbin lace, lace is made by braiding and twisting lengths of thread which were held in place with pins. As the material is twisted, the thread was then wound on bobbins to manage creating intricate patterns. This income all but stopped once the American Revolution was over and lace was imported into the country. 
While being tutored by young men studying to join the divinity, Hannah began reading more about various religions in her ever-present thirst for knowledge. One of her tutors carried with him a book giving a synopsis of various religious denominations, and Hannah was curious to know more. This study would eventually lead Hannah to publish her first book in 1784, just shy of her 30th birthday. The book, known today as A View of Religions, was originally titled, and it's going to get really long, so don't hold your breath, An Alphabetical Compendium of the Various Sects Which Have Appeared in the World from the Beginning of the Christian Era to the Present Day, with an appendix containing a brief account of the different schemes of religion now embraced among mankind the whole collected from the best authors, ancients, and modern. Whew! Say that three times fast. A View of Religions was a comparative analysis of the various religions of the world. What made Hannah's work unique was that for the first time, information and history about various religions were presented in a concise, unbiased manner. It was the lack of this type of scholarship which inspired Adams to begin with, writing in her memoir that she, quote, soon became disgusted with the candor in the authors I consulted, end quote. In Hannah's research, she found authors shared details of religions they liked and criticized religions they didn't care for. In her annoyance, she decided she would put together a definitive survey of the religions and stick to the canon of each without inserting her own thoughts or opinions. To get published, Adams had to provide evidence of enough interest in her book to justify the costs of printing. This was a common practice in early American printing, and so Hannah worked to gain enough subscriptions to convince someone to produce her volume. According to her memoir, her father assisted her with securing publishing, but made a poor deal. Not deft enough in business, Hannah was only paid for 50 copies of her book, despite securing 400 subscriptions. Hannah learned her lesson and lobbied Congress to pass a new law giving authors the copyright of their publications. The first Congress managed to do just that, passing the Copyright Act of 1790. The law gave authors the right to print or otherwise publish their work for 14 years and allowed authors to renew their rights for another 14. In 1791, her publisher notified her he sold a large portion of her book, but she had successfully secured a copyright and was able to prevent the printer from further profiting from her work. She issued a notice to her printer. He was forbidden from issuing additional copies. Hannah wanted to publish the book on her own, but lacked the funds needed to do so. While searching for ways to print her book, she met Reverend James Freeman. Interested in her efforts, Freeman, who was newly appointed to the King's Chapel as a pastor, befriended Hannah and helped her secure a deal with the printer and helped set up a number of subscribers. The second edition of A View on Religions was published in 1791. The success of her 1791 edition inspired Hannah to continue her career, as it were, as a writer. Her health prohibited her from being able to perform in more laborious pursuits, and so she pursued writing to help keep her out of poverty. In her memoir, Adams wrote of her chosen career, quote, It was poverty, not ambition or vanity, that first induced me to become an author, end quote. Having spent a number of years doing thorough research on religions, Hannah hoped to pursue a lighter subject and turned to my favorite topic ever, history. She wanted to give back in some way, writing, quote, I now formed the flattering idea that I might not only help myself, but benefit the public, end quote. 
Adams realized there was very little written history of New England, and so she set about correcting the error, traveling to Providence, Rhode Island to examine records in the secretary's office, or primary sources, as we history nerds call them. Her health struck again when she began to lose her eyesight while in the throes of research. In a panic, Hannah sought the advice of a number of doctors, trying to find a way to bring back her sight. In a treatment plan that is reminiscent of the episode I did on early American medicine, Adams was told to apply a mixture of laudanum and seawater several times a day. While not specified, I assume the application was to her eyes, and if that is the case, can I just say, ouch! My eyes burn when I accidentally open them in the ocean. I cannot begin to imagine deliberately applying salty water on my corneas. According to Adams, this treatment plan was successful, and she regained enough of her eyesight to continue on in her research and working with an assistant, finished her History of New England manuscript and prepared for printing. Ahead of sending her book for publication, Adams made sure to send copies to any author whom she credited in her work, making sure she had their approval prior to moving forward in the process. Published in 1799, A Summary History of New England gained attention from some major names at the time, including President John Adams and his wife Abigail. I saw in a few sources that Hannah was a distant cousin to the second president, so perhaps he was simply helping out family. But either way, having the name of a prominent American surely helped in gaining interest in the work. Hannah's summary was extensive and included the history of the area of New England through the development of the federal government. Hannah was never a financially successful author, but her reputation gained the attention of the Boston elite. Those who respected and admired her included William Smith Shaw, an American librarian and founder of the Boston Athenaeum, one of the oldest independent libraries in the country, and Joseph Stevens Buckminster, a Unitarian preacher. Together, these men helped set up an annuity to keep Adams out of poverty. She was the first professional author to be a member of the Boston Athenaeum and used their library when working on her next project, The History of the Jews. While not an all-encompassing review like her first two publications, The History of the Jews is known and recognized for her sympathetic opinion of the Jewish people. Hannah's final work before her memoir was Letters on the Gospel, which was a text focused on introducing younger readers to the New Testament. Finally, at the request of friends and colleagues, Adams penned a brief memoir. Titled A Memoir of Miss Hannah Adams, the 50-page pamphlet provides a succinct overview of Adams's life and experiences. Hannah never married or had children, something that, along with her education, was very rare for the time. Perhaps it was the lack of social stature or the fact that Hannah suffered from poor health throughout her life, but whatever the reason, Hannah remained single throughout her adulthood and used what little income she did receive to care for herself and her sister. It was with her sister in mind, in part, that prompted Adams to agree to write a memoir, hoping the proceeds from the book could be used to care for her aging sibling. Unfortunately, history is mostly forgotten one of its students and fierce protectors. Adams was a writer and an author at a time when women were not welcome in most professions and where female authors were seen as producing less than quality material. In her lifetime, having an education could be viewed as a deficit. Hannah's story wasn't one that held interest. She did not make contemporary news, though she broke a lot of ground with the work she published. It is this disinterest, in part, that led to her story fading away through time. 
but thanks to Hannah Adams, women could point to one of their own earning a living, meager though it may be, using the written word. In the mid-19th century, women literacy and education rates began to rise, and soon an explosion of women authors were commonplace, making up a large percentage of the writers in American literature in the run-up to the Civil War. While women would continue to struggle and fight to be seen as legitimate contributors to the art, Hannah Adams provided a small pathway for others to follow. Thanks for hanging out with me today, peeps. If you've been enjoying the show, please consider a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. As always, you can get show notes, request an episode topic, or learn how to support the show by visiting the website www.civicsandcoffee.com. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. My oldest sister, Elizabeth. Selling English She was the first professional author to be a member of the Boston Anthenium. Athenium. As the material twisted, the thread was then wound on bobbins to imagine to imagine. Published in 1799, a summary history of New England. Writing in her memoir that quote, she oh. F- but either way, having the name of a prominent American sir. Sur-